Happy Mother's Day, everybody. I'm just so privileged and nervous and excited <laughs> to be up here. Um, I, I've, I'm, I'm feeling some really um, big shoes, which I'm, I'm just really honored and privileged that my husband would ask me to to do this, you know, for Mother's Day. Obviously, we've only been a church for about five months, so I've been knowing, you know, that I'm going to do this since the beginning of when we started. And he's like, you know, I want you to speak on Mother's Day, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that I got plenty of time. <clears throat> you know, it really just doesn't matter how much time you have; it doesn't make it any easier. So, y'all, I just—he makes this look easy. He gets up in here, and he's just so funny and just so confident, no notes, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'll do it one time a year, and that's it. <laughs> but I am really, I'm really excited because I, I know that God has given me a word for us today. And so I am, I am truly honored, and, and I'm very privileged. So, babe, thank you for giving me the opportunity um, to, to do this. You guys need to know something about your pastor. He loves you. He loves this church. He spends the majority of his work week thinking about you, praying for you, and dreaming for you. So he, just know, he loves you so much. Second thing you need to know is that even more than that, he loves his family. And he puts us first. Y'all are a close second, but we're, we're first. And no matter what kind of busy, crazy, hectic week we've had, he always makes sure that we come first. And he carves out time for our family. He loves us so well. So y'all need to know that. Can y'all do me a favor and just stand up really quick and show honor and love to our pastor? He is such an amazing man of God. And I'm just so thankful, babe. I'm so thankful to stand with you and pastor this church. Ladies, I want you to stay standing. Guys, you can have a seat. Every lady, every single lady, mother, biological mother or not, I want you to stay standing to your feet. I have something to say to you really quickly. Happy Mother's Day. I, I'm, I'm aware that this day, while it is a day of celebration, also can bring some tough emotions. And so I want to let you know that that's okay. And that we are going to celebrate today, but I'm totally aware that this is not... Um, this, this is a day of many emotions. Some of you have, some of you are still waiting on motherhood. Some of you have lost a child, and some of you have maybe even lost your mom. But I want to encourage you today that there's a God in heaven who loves you and has a plan for you and has a purpose and a destiny for your life. And I believe that today we're going to lay hold of that plan and purpose. And so I just want to honor you and bless you. And even if you're not a biological mom, you are mothering somebody. God has put that seed in your heart. God has planted that ability in your heart, and you are mothering somebody. Every time you extend a word of love or a word of encouragement or wisdom to somebody else, you are mothering them. So take hold of those opportunities before you're a biologically a mother. Take hold of those chances to love on somebody and to be that mother to somebody who needs it because y'all know there are a lot of people out there who need a mom, who need what you have to give and have to offer. So I just honor you and bless you. Y'all can have a seat. Church, come on. Y'all need, everybody else needs to stand up, and we need to honor our moms in the way that they deserve to be honored. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. You wouldn't be here if it weren't for your mama. That's right. Now sit down. Give them a kiss on the cheek. Tell them you love them. Do it. Do it. I'm doing you a favor here. Well, y'all need to know something. I'm a woman, and I'm fully caffeinated. So I'm going to do three things. I'm going, to speak. I'm going to speak loud, fast, and continuously. So you will not fall asleep this morning. If you fall asleep, you're on some good drugs. So I promise you, catch up with me. Now, I am, I've, unfortunately, I am not blessed with the memory that my husband has. So you will see me come back over here to my nice little iPad right here to refer back to my notes. But listen, I would rather 
look back at my notes to make sure that I'm saying what God's given me than pretend that I know it and struggle over here trying to put on a show. Because I'm telling you, what God has given me is so good. It's not from me. It's from him. So y'all forgive me and just go with me if I come back to my notes several times. I'm going to pray. God, we love you so much, and we're so thankful, Father, that you are already here with us. You're here in our midst. And, Father, I'm asking you to go before me and speak through me, Lord. I'm going to hide behind the cross because, God, I have absolutely nothing good to give if I try to do it without you. So I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to come and move in and through me, Lord. Take what I have to say, Lord, and make it amazing because your word is amazing. And Lord, I just give this time to you, Father, and pray that it will fall on soft hearts who are ready to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you look so good today. And now turn to your second choice and tell them, you look pretty good today too. Well, the title of my message today is Embrace Your Place. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Go ahead and turn in your um, Bibles to Luke 21 if you have that, and just hold your spot right there. I want us to look at the definition of the word embrace, and it's this. An act of holding someone closely in one's arms, an act of accepting or supporting something willingly and enthusiastically. And we're going to focus on that second part. An act of accepting or supporting something willingly and enthusiastically. I believe that today God really wants to show us that no matter what season of life that we're in, that it's his will that we embrace it willingly and enthusiastically. Now, I'm no fool. I know it's hard to do that sometimes. It's easy to embrace your life when everything is going good and all your people are behaving and everything's great. But most of the time, we're in a little bit of a tough season, and those are the seasons that are harder to embrace willingly and enthusiastically, okay? So, but I really believe that God has a word for us today to encourage us to do that, and I'm going to give you three things that you need to do to embrace your place. Number one, worship where you are. Let's look at this scripture in Luke 21. And it says, while Jesus was in the temple, he wanted the rich people dropping their gifts in the he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Jesus wanted to bring special attention to this gift that the widow gave. Not because it was so much bigger and so much greater than everybody else's, because in comparison, it wasn't. But it was the place she was giving out of. It, it tells us right there, she was poor, she had nothing, and she had lost her husband. She had no one. But yet she was at the temple, and then she gave. And so Jesus wanted to bring attention to that, to say, wherever you are, even if you, are, you feel like you are just barely holding on, there is still something that he wants you to give, and there is still worship that you have to give. Um, the hardest stage, I think, one of the hardest stages of mothering for me was the newborn stages, okay? We have two girls. Neither of them slept for the first six months of their life, okay? Like, literally, I was a zombie. 
every single day, like just in a fog. You'd be like, Darla, you there? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't slept. I don't know what I'm doing or where I am. So um, there's a picture that's going to come up on the screen of me and Casey Ray when, when we were in this season, in this newborn stage. And this, this was just me all day, every day, rocking my sweet little baby with piles of laundry waiting on me in the background. This was a tough stage. And it was especially tough with Casey Ray because there's about a five-year gap between our oldest, Veda, and Casey Ray. And so in that five years, you know, I had the time to kind of get my routine back. We were youth pastors at the time, so I was enjoying doing ministry right by my husband, and I was in a good routine. I, had a, I was in a discipleship group and just really loving where I was. I was growing in the Lord, and I just felt like, man, this is just such a great place to be. And then when Casey Ray was born, all my nice routine came to a screeching halt, and I was mommy 24-7. She was completely and totally reliant on me, and that is a huge crown to wear. It's a huge burden. And so it was very overwhelming for, the, for me. So in those first few months, in those seasons, uh, the enemy was, was so good at whispering lies to me. And here's what he would say. What are you even doing? You're not even making a difference anymore. You don't even have time to get in your word. And he was, I was, I was feeling guilty and I was feeling shame for not really doing anything, you know. I could barely keep the laundry up. And, and it was just a really overwhelming, a, a tough season because I was so used to being able to be on the go all the time and help with my husband in ministry. And here I am, I'm just like, oh, I'm stuck. And I, I just didn't feel like I was doing anything. Like it didn't have a purpose. And that was just a really tough spot for me. But I'll never forget one night I was pacing back and forth in her bedroom um, with Casey Ray because she didn't sleep. And so I was just pacing, just rocking, shushing, trying to get her to go to sleep. And she finally went to sleep. And so I laid her down. You know, you could do like a ninja. I mean, moms, you know, you know the move, right? You just like, like one finger at a time. You're pulling, you're pulling out and then you're like, shh, nobody make a sound. I mean, if you wake up that baby, you wake her, you take her. That's my motto. And so I finally, finally got her to go to sleep, and I got in the bed, and I was just feeling that feeling like I'm just defeated, just nothing. Like the enemy was just, y'all, he was, he's so good at lying to you when you're alone and in the dark. Can I get a witness? So there I was, lying there, tired out of my mind, emotionally spent, spiritually dry, uh, physically exhausted, and those same thoughts, same thoughts, same thoughts. What are you doing? You're not good enough. You're, you don't have time for anything. What a horrible Christian. What a horrible wife. What a horrible this. What a horrible that. And y'all, I can remember it like it was yesterday. God spoke to me in that moment, and he said, Darla, you are doing exactly what I want you to be doing in this season. What do you mean you're not making a difference? And I was like, Lord, I, but I'm not able to do all the things. He said, that's not the season you're in anymore. When you're rocking your baby to sleep, you're worshiping me. When you're doing the dishes on the rare occasion that you can, that's worship to me. When you're rocking that screaming baby and you just feel like, oh, can't take it anymore, that is worship to me. 
And, and as clear as day, I, I physically felt the peace of God come over me like a freshly laundered sheet that you fluff up to lay on the bed. Y'all, that's the feeling that God gave me. And that peace just completely came over me. And he said, don't you dare think that you're not doing exactly what I want you to do because you're not in the church or because you're not witnessing to somebody on the street because you are taking care of that newborn baby and I gave you that child. You're doing exactly what I want you to be doing. That is worship to me. And just like that poor widow, I felt like God had given me a new, a new sense of purpose because it didn't matter what I was doing. It mattered what was going on in my heart. And if my heart is turned toward him, well, that's worship. That is worship to him. So no matter what your stage, no matter what your job or what your, uh, your um, age, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If your job is to sit behind a desk and push emails and push paper, if you're pouring concrete at 2 o'clock in the morning, if you're a bus driver, if you're a doctor, if you're in the corporate world, you can hate your boss, but remember that the Lord is your true boss. Look at this scripture. This has helped me a lot in this season. Colossians 3.23. It says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Some of y'all are going to beep up into work tomorrow and be like, you ain't my boss no more. The Lord Jesus is my boss. Hallelujah. I just got a raise. Yes. Don't really do that. Don't do that. He might fire you. But it's all about your perspective. If you have a bad relationship with your boss or the people around you, but you go into work knowing in your mind, I'm going to work willingly as though I'm working for the Lord, not for people, your attitude will change. And you will set the tone in your workplace and start to set the atmosphere because you're worshiping the Lord where you are. Turn your heart towards him, and he will honor that. Another verse that really helped me in this season was Matthew 6, 3 and 4. And it says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees, who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. I would, I would get in these zones in my head. As a stay-at-home mom, all you have to talk to is yourself. Okay, so you can go a little cuckoo sometimes. But I would just get in these, these modes, you know, and, and Troy would be at, at um, church working and everything, and he gets to talk to grown-ups, and I don't. I have little people to communicate with, which is not really much communication there, except for, what do you want? What do you need? Mommy, mommy, mommy. And so I, I would get in these modes of, like, of, of just total resentment. You know, I'm, like, scrubbing the dishes, and I'm doing the laundry, thinking, like, well, he's, he gets to go out to eat. He gets to go out to eat lunch with friends. He doesn't have to do this. He doesn't, and, and, then, and then I would explain expect him when he comes home to be like, babe, wow, look what all you've done. The house looks amazing. Wow. But he's been at work. He's got different burdens, different things that he's going through that I'm not thinking about because I'm too busy thinking about myself and being self-centered. So there was a root of bitterness because I was not looking to the Lord for my approval. I needed his approval. But y'all, I'm telling you, Guys, I'm not saying that y'all don't need to comment on your wife's work, but, but ladies, we don't need to depend on them to make our attitude right. Does, does that make sense? Like, we have to receive validation from God because the people around us are not capable to give us what we need. 
Only God can give us that validation. And if I turn my heart heart towards him and I'm scrubbing those dishes for Jesus and I'm folding that laundry for Jesus, I have a little bit more pep in my step. And then when he comes home, he doesn't come home to an angry, resentful, you know, wife. He gets to come home to somebody who's happy to see him. And then, you know what ends up happening? Since I'm more pleasant to be around, he's more pleasant to be around and we get to share and have those exchanges. Well, tell me about your day, babe. Well, it was all right, you know. I had a tough day with the kids. I'm so sorry. Tell me about your day. And there's just this beautiful exchange that happens. What, why, what, what, what changed? Our inward focus, it needs to be out. We, we tend to get so self-focused and self-centered and look at me, God, or look at me, everybody, and, and we forget that God sees what is done in secret. And his, he's got your reward. He's got your reward. Don't look to everybody else to validate what only God can validate. Amen? Worship where you are. Number two, second thing that you need to do to embrace your place is be willing to be stretched. A few months ago, we realized that Casey Ray had outgrown her crib. Now, I know what you're thinking. She's three years old. She's still in a crib. Yes, we are those parents. We want the crib life to last as long as it darn well can. Okay? Holler. Because when they get out of the crib, what happens? They can walk around. They can get out whenever they want, all hours of the night, which Casey Ray does. So uh, my motives are justified. I don't care what you think. But anyway, bless her heart. She had just completely outgrown her crib. I mean, her head was like stuck in one corner. Her feet are like sticking out the slats and her arms. And I'm like, babe. I think it's time. I think it's just, we just hit that mark, and she, it's, she's ready for that big girl bed. So it was a big thing, you know. We got her the big girl bed. We got her the blankets and the pillow, and she was just so excited, like really, really excited. She may have fallen out of the bed a couple of times, but we're not going to talk about that. She was totally fine. But so there was, like, so much room, so much more room for her to grow. But there were nights where she would say, Oh, I want my crib. I want my crib back. I want, I want to be my crib. And we tried to tell her, honey, you can't, you can't have both. You know, you can't, you can't grow in your crib and, you know, enjoy the freedoms of your big girl bed, you know. And that just got me to thinking that we do the same exact thing with the Lord. You know, when we pray, we're like, God, I want more of you, Lord. Uh, take me to that next level. I want to be used. But I don't want to get out of my baby bed. I don't want to get out of the comfort of my, of my baby bed. I'm not ready to get rid of the pacifier just yet. Oh, but God, please. I just, I know you have more for me. I want more. I want more. I want more. See, we want big kid privileges from the comfort of our baby bed. But it doesn't work like that, y'all. We have to get uncomfortable. We have to stretch. We have to have the room to grow and reach to do the things that God's calling us to do, don't we? But sometimes stretching can be painful, Sometimes it hurts, and maybe that's why we don't stretch. Has anybody ever been through physical therapy for anything? Yeah, a lot of you. Man, that stuff hurts. I was in college, and I love horses. I love to horseback ride. If you have a horse, can we be friends? We'll talk about that later. Um, so in college, I, I got thrown from a horse, and I injured my left knee, and I had to go through physical therapy. And that, it was so painful, and it didn't really make sense to me that I would put myself through more pain so that I could get better. Like, shouldn't we just, like, let it, you know, be completely still, and then it'll get better? But it doesn't work like that. I just, the physical therapist said, no, you have to move it. You have to push yourself. You have to push through the pain to get to your healing. Sometimes our healing is on the other side of our pain, but we don't want to go through the pain because pain hurts, right? But y'all, we have to remember that sometimes what we're waiting for, what we're asking God for 
is on the other side of this painful season that you might be in. Y'all, the babies are not bothering me. Don't let it bother you. Let them cry. It's Mother's Day. Come on, everybody, amen? They are not bothering me, so don't let them bother you. Um, so some of you may have, may have just stopped stretching because it hurts, because it's just too painful. Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you've been disappointed by a friend. Maybe you've been dis- even disappointed by God. Maybe God's even told you no. That hurts sometimes when God tells you no. But, you know, as a parent, when we tell our child no, when they're, like, just begging us for something, like, they just really, really want it. Like, as a parent, we want to say yes. But also, as a good parent, we know that we sometimes have to say no. And there's a good reason for that. So, y'all, when God tells you no, it's only because there's a greater yes at stake that you and I cannot comprehend. So maybe God is telling you no. Maybe God is closing doors But it's only because there's a greater yes at stake. Sometimes we get in this mentality that, like, we should understand everything that God does. But can I just say that we just need to stop that and let God be God because we're never going to understand what he says. His ways are higher than our ways, and he knows so much more than that. He knows, why would I want to serve a God that I can understand? That's not a God worthy of worship. So stop trying to understand God and let him say no to you knowing It's only because there's a greater yes at stake. But you can't get there if you're not willing to be stretched, okay? You have, he he might be just out of reach because he wants you to just stretch a little bit. Just stretch a little bit. He wants you to get out of that bubble, get out of that comfort zone and do something that makes you uncomfortable. And that's what I want to challenge you to do. What is it? What is that thing that God's asking you to do that makes you a little bit uncomfortable, Maybe it's just talking to somebody that you don't normally wouldn't talk to. Maybe it's inviting them to church, talking to them about Jesus. Maybe it's doing something out of your comfort zone to bless your spouse that doesn't come naturally to you. I don't know what it is, but you know what that thing is. It's in your head right now, and it makes you uncomfortable. But God is saying, if you will get uncomfortable for me, your yes is on the other side. The things that you've been wanting more out of your relationship with God and your walk with God is on the other side of that stretch. But sometimes we have to wait. Ugh. hate waiting. I wish God would just come on with the times because we are just instant gratification here. You know what I mean? Like when my phone like takes five more seconds, then I, I get mad. Is anybody with me? Like I just get upset. Like that just, ugh, I cannot stand it. And I just want to throw it across the room. I wish God would just come on with the times and be like, Lord, all right, you know, we're in the instant gratification, you know, mode here. So come on. God, that is not God's character. And, and we, we are so used to that instant gratification that when God says no or not right now and we have to wait, woo, I don't know about y'all, but I don't like that. I don't like to have to wait on something. But let me encourage you with this scripture. Let's look carefully. It says in Lamentations 3, 24 and 26, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, what's interesting to me is that there's two waits in these verses, and they, they each have a different Hebrew meaning. The first Hebrew um, word for wait is kava. Can y'all say that? Kava. Oh, you can do better than that. Kava. Okay, the next one's much more fun. Um, this, this one means uh, wait, look for, hope, expect. Now, in verse 26, the word is <clears throat> yachil. 
you got to get some phlegm, okay? But it's Mother's Day, so don't do that. That's gross. That's rude. She's going to slap you on the hand. Don't you be spitting in church. But it's yahil. I just think that's fun to say. But it means waiting, hoping, expectant. So when we're waiting on things, even though it's hard and it's tough, sometimes it's hard to expect. This dream of the church has been in mine and Troy's hearts for years and we've been waiting for a really long time since we were youth pastors. Probably even before that, it's been if God has planted this dream in his heart. But for years, we were just waiting, not really knowing what it was going to be. And if God could have given us this picture, that would have been amazing. But he doesn't do that. God gives you just enough for you to take the next step. And that's, what's, that's what builds your faith. But in that season, it would have been so nice for, for, to get that instant gratification of God to say, yeah, you're going you're gonna to pastor a church in Smyrna. It's going to be great. God's going to bless you with all these amazing people. And it's going to be awesome. But he didn't do that because he wanted us to have that waiting period to see what we would do in the waiting time. Okay? The, the wait that he's talking about here is an active waiting Okay, it's not it's not a hands tied behind your back kind of waiting. Okay, when when you're waiting for when when you're waiting and you're expecting somebody to give you something, what do you do when you expect some when you expect something from somebody? What do you do? You hold out your hand, you reach, you stretch out. And so in that season when Troy and I were waiting on this dream, on this vision, forgot to tell us what we we're gonna do, where we we're gonna go, we didn't wait like this. Because we knew that God told us something. We waited like this. We waited like this. With, with, this is our posture. And so, y'all, if you've been waiting on something and you're just getting a little tired and you're getting a little frustrated, can I just encourage you to change your posture? Change your spiritual posture and start, and start waiting like instead of this, you need to wait like this. Say, God, I don't know what it is, but I've been praying. And I've been expecting, and I know you're going to do something. So I'm going to hold out my hand in my heart, and I'm going to extend this and say, Lord, I'm waiting, but I'm expecting. I'm going to be expecting, and I'm hoping. I don't know when it's going to be, but I know you're going to do it. Hold out that hand. Extend that. Let that be your heart's posture. And God will give you that because he's waiting for that. He's waiting on that posture. He's waiting for us to obey in that way. Amen? Last point, and this is probably my favorite one, number three. We're moving really quickly. Third thing you need to do to be able to embrace your place is work it. Look at your neighbor and say, you better work it. Oh, no, 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 no. It's too much estrogen in this house to not give me a little more sass. Look at your neighbor and say, you better work it. Come on. Come on. I want us to look at something that's called the law of the harvest. And God introduces this concept in Genesis. And I'm just going to read this really quickly. It's not on the screen. It says, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. This was right after the flood. And so God is promising, I'm not going to flood the whole earth again. Um, this is my promise with the rainbow and everything. This, this is the law of the harvest. This is what's going to happen. You can count on this. As sure as the day, there will be a night. As sure as there's cold, there will be this is the law of the harvest, okay? So this sets us up to go to read um, Galatians 6, and this is what it says. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, what this verse tells me is that you and I are not powerless over our future. 
Okay? There's a law here that is in, in effect. There's, we're going to reap what we sow. Okay? Sometimes we act like we're just holy victims of God, just along for the ride, and whatever he says goes. But God, in his sovereignty, gave us a choice. He gave us freedom. So we are not holy victims of him. He does give us that freedom. Now, by the law of the harvest, we are all sowers, and we are all reapers. Now, let me put it this way. Now actions have later consequences, okay? Um, when my husband and I first got married, he thought he was going to get out of this <laughs> scot-free. I was just going to talk about the girls. Mother's Day is going to be great. So when we were first married and dating and everything, um, my husband had a severe addiction to Coke and sweet tea, okay? This was, this was real, you guys. So when we first got married, I would be cooking dinner, have everything set up, you know, ready to eat. Okay, babe, dinner's ready. It's time. And we would sit down to eat, and there would be no Coke or sweet tea in the house. And I'd be like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I forgot, to, I forgot to pick that up at the store. Can, is, is water okay? Y'all, you would have thought I, I, I told him to eat a, a, a dog turd because of the look he gave me. Like, I'm sorry. You expect me to eat this without a Coke or sweet tea? Are you joking? And I'm like, are, are, are you joking? Y'all, my husband would get up, go get in the car, drive to Sonic or, or McAllister's and get a Coke or a sweet tea. Come on, somebody. It was severe. It was severe. He had a severe addiction, okay? Just to give you a picture. Bless him. Well, several years later, he had a bout with kidney stones. Now choices... Our now actions have later consequences, okay? So because he was choosing Coke, sweet tea, Coke, sweet tea, no water, Coke, sweet tea, Coke, sweet tea, no water. Like, like y'all, when I say no water, I mean none, none. Maybe the occasional Gatorade. That's it. So there were those consequences of kidney stones. Ouch. What we need to do in these seasons and what, what is talking about reaping and sowing we have to be really careful what we're sowing in the now. I know some of you have reaped what you've sown from years ago, so you get this concept like major. Thank God for forgiveness and grace and redemption and mercy. So we need to be really careful what we're sowing now, what our now actions are, because we will reap them. Whatever we're sowing now, they will have consequences, whether good or bad. So I want you to ask yourself, what are, you, what are we sowing? What are you sowing into your season right now? Maybe it's a really painful season. Maybe it's a season of tears. Maybe it's a season of frustration that you're in. Maybe that's the soil that you're working with. But God is calling us to sow something into that. Because whatever you sow, you will reap. And y'all, what I'm going to say is it's not real trendy. It's not real popular. I'm going to tell you to sow the word of God into your season. And that sounds so like, oh, you know, it sounds like a Sunday school thing to say. Sounds super spiritual. But we have got to remember what the word of God is and what it can do. Okay? Because Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So, y'all, when we don't sow 
the living and active word of God in our life? It's, it's like this. Let me, let me give you this story. In, in third world countries that have starving people, there are organizations and charities that will take them seeds to plant so that they can grow their own food and grow their own crops and provide for their families and their villages. But sometimes these people are so hungry and so malnourished that they'll take the seed and instead of planting it, they'll eat it. They'll eat the seed just for that temporary moment of satiation and fullness but now they don't get the benefits of the harvest that would have lasted for so much longer. So y'all, this is exactly what we do when we don't sow God's word into our season. We are taking the seed. We're coming in here on a Sunday morning, getting all the feels and all the chills and, and, and feeling so good and going out the door and swallow that seed and we're full for a day. But then come Monday morning, our problems haven't changed. Our circumstance is still the same. Our job is still the same. Our people or just as disobedient as they were yesterday. So when, but, so if we start to sow the seed, instead of eating the seed, what will happen? It will begin to produce a crop and produce a harvest. And that is what God is challenging us to do in this season, in this season of tears, in this season of frustration, in this, sing, in this season of not right now. God's asking you to take him at his word because guess what? The law of the harvest says, look in Psalm 126, five and six. This is so awesome. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of what? Joy. Those who go out weeping, crying, seed to sow will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. The promise is there. It's the law of the harvest. You're gonna reap what you sow. If you sow God's word into your season, you will reap the joy of the Lord. That's rightfully yours as a child of God. It is rightfully yours. It's just sitting on the table ready for you to take it. But y'all, when we don't apply God's word to our life, we are, we are going into a battle with the enemy with our hands tied behind our back and a blindfold on expecting to win. How foolish, how foolish we are not to take God's word and apply it to our everyday life. It is a weapon. And we need to start taking it up and, and taking it into the battle that we face every single day. You and I, we face battles every single day. Why? Why don't we take our weapon with us to warfare? Because the enemy's good at what he does. He tells us, you got this. You're all right. You don't need that. We do. We absolutely need it. God is calling you to sow his word into that pain into that fear, into that soil of whatever season that you're in. And his promise is on the other side. That promise is on the other side. I'm going to end with this last bit of encouragement. I read a, a story in a book a long time ago, and um, it talks about this family that were missionaries. And um, they're, one of their little girls, uh, I, I forget what country they were in, but they were in a country that had um, gotten uh, measles, uh, an epidemic of measles, and one of their little girls had contracted it. And they said that they needed somebody who had already had measles and overcome it because they were a carrier for the healing that, that she would need. And um, they, they did. They found somebody who had defeated measles and had put that into um, her bloodstream and, and, and was, was able to heal the measles. And when I read that story, I thought, what an amazing picture of Jesus. 
she overcame the measles not by her own resistance or vitality, but as a result of a battle that had already taken place in somebody else. Can I just tell y'all this morning that no matter what battle you're facing today, no matter what season you're in, that the battle has already been won. Jesus defeated it on the cross. He already has won the battle for you. He took on our sin. He took on our shame. And he said, I will bear this burden for you because I love you and I have victory for your life. So I've already taken it. I've already taken it. The, the, the battle's already been won in the heavenlies. So, so what good does our, our prayers and our reading the word do? It brings it down. It brings it from the heavens down to the earth, which is where we need it. It's already been done. It's already been won. We have the authority to call that down. So when we pray, you're praying, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is that thing? What is that thing that you're believing God for, that God's calling you to stretch and reach out for? What is it? Let's call it down. As we pray, I want you to think of that one thing. Think of that thing that God's calling you. Can you close your eyes and bow your head? Father, we love you so much. And God, we know that victory is ours because you've already won the battle. But God, there are many people in here who are facing an earthly battle and it is so tough and so hard, Lord. And maybe they're ready just to give up and they're just barely hanging on by a thread. But God, I pray that today you will encourage them, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will settle on their hearts right now. And God, they will begin to be motivated and have a desire to get into your word and to sow that into the soil of their tears, into the soil of their frustration, so that we can have a harvest on the other side, so that we can grasp hold of that promise that we will have joy and that is it is ours. But we have to worship where we are, God. We have to worship where you've put us. It's, it's by no accident that we are where we are, that we're doing what we're doing. But God, I pray that we will turn our hearts towards you and that we will do it as if we're doing it for you. And God, I pray that you will help us to stretch, to get out of our comfort zone, to get out of that baby bed and be willing to go to that next place with you, Lord. And God, that we will work that soil and that we will plant the word of God so that we can reap a harvest I'm so thankful, Father, that you are who you say you are and that your promises are yes and amen, that you are a good parent, you're a good father, and you want to say yes to us, Lord. But God, help us to know and remember that for a temporary no, you're only telling us that for a greater yes. And we receive that this morning, Lord. We love you and we bless you. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.